0: The Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current I.T. security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cyber crime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. Morning, everybody.
1: Welcome to another podcast episode, Petronella Cybersecurity with Craig Petronella. We have Aaron, Dotsy, and BJ on the line. We're going to talk about the latest cybersecurity news. I thought a good topic to kick off would be how the FBI and the CISA put out a warning today in regards to the Russian hackers exploiting MFA and the print nightmare bug. You guys know what those are?
2: I know what MFA is. I do not know what the print nightmare bug is.
1: Yeah. So obviously MFA is multi-factor authentication. It says in this article that was posted, it says, as early as May 21, Russian state-sponsored cyber actors took advantage of a misconfigured account set to default on MFA protocols at a non-governmental organization or NGO, allowing them to enroll a new device for MFA and access the victim's networks.
2: Wow!
1: So basically misconfiguration of the MFA allowed the hackers to configure their own MFA (laughs) and
0: bypass
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, so they could get in. So they then exploited a critical Windows print spooler vulnerability called Print Nightmare CVE-2021-34527, and this print nightmare bug has been out for quite some time now. I remember back a client of ours at the time had us do a security risk assessment and they're a manufacturing firm. They had a lot of printers on their network and Microsoft still didn't have a solution. So we had to help them air gap a lot of their computers and air gap means disconnect them from the Internet and basically use network segmentation and get them off of any connected Internet ways out to the Internet. So This print nightmare bug allows the bad actors to run arbitrary code with system privileges. So basically, like an administrator. (laughs) So it's really nasty. So they say this attack that was just posted was pulled off by gaining initial access to the victim's organization via compromised credentials. They obtained by means of a brute force password guessing attack. And then they enrolled a new device into the organization's Duo MFA, which was misconfigured. So this goes back to what I was talking about, I think it was a few days ago. Did I ever show you guys the, there's like a little infographic on passwords.
2: I might've helped make it.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, So there's a little chart that shows how long your password is and how easy it is and how fast hackers can brute force or basically try various combinations to crack the password. This was maybe last week, but anyway, we'll post that infographic so you guys can download it if you want. But basically, in a nutshell, if you're not using long, complex passwords that have lowercase, capitals, numbers, special characters, and they're not really long in length, ideally, I like them to be more than 20 characters. I know that might seem crazy. But I don't know any of my passwords because I use an encrypted password manager. So I usually go for as long as possible that the system on the other side will let me. Some systems only let you use 16 characters. But anyway, try to use the longest length of complex password that the system will allow. And I use an encrypted password manager to keep track of it. But this basically is illustrating this article here from the FBI and CISA are illustrating how it's a very bad idea, especially nowadays with everything that's going on, never to reuse that same password that I know is your favorite password. It might be your anniversary, your dog's name, or whatever it is, but don't reuse it on multiple websites. And better yet, get a password manager that's encrypted and start changing your passwords immediately and and maxing out the length. And if you can, if it's a possibility, employ hardware or token-based solutions like a proximity token to further enhance the password manager. But yeah, this is a pretty pretty bad nasty gram that came out this morning.
2: Well, it's funny too because I feel like looking at this and looking at the way that they got into it and also when you're telling the story about how The company that you worked for before had the issues with the printers. It sounds like to me, when I see stuff like this, I automatically think about our password manager, which you just brought up, and also XDR, because like you were saying, they weren't able to patch it because there wasn't a patch. So how do you protect yourself if you're not patched? You can't unless you have something like XDR, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If if it's a networked computer, then yeah, you're basically open to attack or exploitation through the the patches that you're unable to apply. So you either have to disconnect it from the internet or use a
3: technology called XTR. It's not like patches, are going to save you completely if you do your patches, though, because there's more than that. That's not the only nasty gram that's out there. I don't know if you guys watched the video that I made this morning about a breaking event also related to cybersecurity yesterday. So this one anonymous hacker, he goes by Kid 89 He shared the details of his hack. He didn't do anything with the access that he gained, but he gained access to the Russian Ministry of Health. And Craig, you'll find this interesting. You may remember a few years ago, we did some writing and some education around one of the tools called Shodan, S-H-O-D-A-N. That was the tool he used. So this is where I say patches aren't going to just be the catch-all that people like it needs to go a step further. Like Aaron was saying, it, it needs to go a step further, way further because this guy used Shodan and he was able to using Shodan target precisely. This Shodan situation, it's like Shodan, right, on the cybersecurity front. This hacker used Shodan, and you don't hear much about Shodan, and maybe it's obscure still and a lot of people aren't using it. If people really start using something like that, that's so dangerous. This hacker was able to target his intended victim, the Russian Ministry of Health, and by using Shodan, he was able to pinpoint the IP addresses for the devices he was looking to target based on their location. So when you think about people using this tool in a situation like we're in with a war going on and basically a cyber war, that opens up a whole new can because people can use locations of their targets to find IP addresses for IoT connected devices, which is exactly what this guy did. So when he did that, he found IP addresses at the Russian health ministry and he scanned and he found something called, he found an open virtual network computing port, a VNC port with disabled authentication. And so Craig, you probably can elaborate on what that is, or maybe we don't even need to, but basically it's for remote access and stuff for the device. So they didn't have it configured correctly. They had the authentication disabled and he found this open VNC port and he slid right in. He didn't do anything. He was just testing his process, I guess. But he showed screenshots proving how easy it was for him to get in. And he could have get access like free reign to everything because he was remoted into that computer. So then he took over. So th- something like that could be catastrophic. And how many people are checking to make sure their VNC port is not open?
1: Yeah, so VNC is a, like you said, like a remote control software that's a graphical user interface. It was really popular years ago before more modern replacements go so to my PC or in came out. So like, let's say you got a computer on the network and it runs maybe some software that you need, but you're maybe a hundred feet down the hall and you don't want to get up and go to that computer every time you can open up what's called a VNC session and set up that computer so that you can see the screen and then remotely control it with the keyboard and the mouse at your desk. And you could do that locally on your network, or you can configure it such that you can remote control a computer from anywhere in the world. So this goes back to ports and your firewalls. If your firewall was configured properly, then you would not be able to get to that port on the VNC server if it was misconfigured or the bad actors had access to like a VPN that was misconfigured, then they can get into it that way. But it goes back to ports and port scanning. So hackers are always going to be scanning the ports of your network. And there's 65,000 plus of them. I think it's 65,587, I think is the number.
3: This is the kind of intelligence that people don't understand. They don't understand the magnitude. Because on a side note, or related to that, there is this new DDoS attack process that they're using automated type of software and they're able to now do this DDOS attack like from one device and like literally disable something with this style of DDOS that they're doing. As we know, a lot of people take the cyber strategy of it's not gonna happen to me or we think that the cyberspace is just this weird place and nobody can find you and everyone's just there but that's not the case like it's tools like showdown change the game in this regard and people can literally if they have someone they want to target in a situation like this they can use your location and they can find the ip addresses at that location that are connected to the internet and then they can try all these different new complicated and sophisticated exploits to then hit you with a barrage of these different types of attacks. This is an unsustainable problem at this point, and people really need to be aware of how serious this is.
1: Yeah, so I was two off, 65,535,
3: not 37. On, On one device?
1: Yeah, that's per TCP IP port.
3: That's unbelievable. That blows my mind, literally. And it takes a lot to blow my mind. That blows my mind. Let's kind of bring that
1: back. So every device... On your network has between zero and 65,535 or closed windows or ports, like I said, per device. That's why when we talk about, I know we keep drilling XDR in, firewalls are the first line of defense of ports. And then after the firewall, if you are fortunate to have something like XDR or extended detection and response that technology will then be scanning
3: your network constantly for vulnerabilities and open ports or exploits. that's why we need to keep drilling xdr because what xdr stands for extended detection and response but literally if you were to describe xdr it's the culmination of all this intelligence funneled into an algorithm and the algorithm told now go and stop these threats that's what an xdr truly is It's the sum of all the intelligence that we know about cybersecurity vulnerabilities set to purpose. That's what XDR is. It's all of our intelligence that we know thus far about cybersecurity coded into an algorithm and the algorithm set loose on the network and devices. That's what XDR truly is.
1: So what's also a common practice of hackers is what's called port scanning. So Shodan is like a search engine for IoT or Internet of Things devices but Which is every device, right? It, it, kind of, sort of. It's more like a smart device, like a smart TV. It's more of like an IoT device. Anything that connects to the internet could be classified under the IoT umbrella. But port scanners have been around forever. And a common one is called Nmap. And Nmap is free and it's available open source on Linux Operating systems, but hackers are using those kind of tools all day long and have been for yeah. many years to find these and open windows and doors.
3: When you talk cybersecurity, Craig, you've always talked about layers. And that's exactly what we can see happening on the other side is layers on the bad guy side. Port scanning has been around for years, but then you have on top of that technology like Shodan that lets you hunt a location for IP addresses connected to the internet. That's how they define internet connected IoT devices. If it's connected to the internet, Shodan can find it. And so Mm -hmm. when you add that to port scanners, that's a serious problem.
1: Yeah, and I remember distinctly being interviewed on one of the news outlets and how the reporter was asking me about, how do these security cameras get online? And the security camera is a type of IoT device. And oftentimes people put these cameras on their networks and they don't properly configure them. So they're just open to the world. And sadly, sometimes these cameras are displaying whatever the camera sees for the entire public to see. (laughs) So there's actually websites like Shodan. That will help you see all these cameras that are misconfigured for security or have default username and passwords. And the people, the recipient side, they don't even know.
3: Oh my gosh. This is completely unsustainable without the help of algorithms. When you have 60,000 ports, that's a recipe for unsustainability, unless you have help from something that can scale at that level.
1: Yep. It's all about layers, like I've always said. And if, they, if
3: this catches on, like we were talking yesterday about 300,000 and counting volunteer hackers fighting this now, what seems to be partial physical war, partial cyber war. If they all started using tools like Shodan and things like that, oh my gosh, like this thing can escalate to a point that like this can't go very long before escalation, you know, becomes very dangerous with a situation like this.
1: I would go on to say that those tools are pretty one-on-one basic level tools that pretty much every hacker is using all day long. I wouldn't say that they're going, they are using them, I would say with great confidence. They are, they're (laughs) scanning all the time, scanning, looking for open doors, open weak points. And then when they find that open port, that's when they go a step further and figure out what application, like we talked about VNC, that uses a certain port, remote desktop protocol or RDP, You typically uses port 3389. But there's these different ports that programs by default use unless they're configured properly or changed, or better yet, nowadays, it's never a good idea to have an open port, It's best to use a VPN to have that wall, that layer, so that you don't have an open port. But my point is, once a hacker determines and finds open ports, they can then go deeper to figure out, oh, what applications use this port? And then what they do is they figure out and they talk to that application through the port to figure out what version is it running. And then they find that it's running an outdated version. Then they look up all the exploits for that particular program. And then, bam, they're in
3: and if all else fails if they just want to be because we one of our partners was interviewed about one of the people that writes the algorithms for the XDR tools was interviewed and made the comment that when you have situations like this like cyber war they're not necessarily looking to steal your money and your credentials they're just looking to do destruction and so if fallout fails and they can't find an open port or a vulnerability then they might just hit you with a DDoS that you can't withstand
1: Yeah, so you're the victim to participate in the DDoS. So it just depends. Once the hackers are in, they make the determination. Was this a big corporation? Do they have a lot of money that they can steal or extortion Mm -hmm. with ransomware? Or is this organization have more devices on their network we can infect and use, like you said, for slave devices and and use them for a DDoS future attack? Yeah,
3: well, when you lay down all preconceived thoughts and all opinions and you just simply do nothing but take the facts and apply logic and reason to them... It paints a picture that this culmination of all these things happening at once leaves us no other pathway but to use algorithms that can scan for all of this at once because there's just no other way. It also
1: goes back to what we've always recommended with vulnerability scanning and security risk assessments and the importance of them. Because like you said, the average person, the average business owner, the average consumer They're not going to know that there's 65,535 potential open windows. And then they're not even going to know unless they educate themselves on how to close those windows or ports and secure themselves. So it's just a huge undertaking.
2: I feel like that's a really good uh, analogy there, Craig. You're talking about windows, right? So if you think about windows in the realm of like your home, can you imagine having 65,000 windows that you have to close? You know what I mean? And like your
3: your home quickly turns into a house of cards. Yeah. Or it's just a
2: house of labor, right? So if you have to walk around making sure that everything's closed all the time, that's a lot of time and energy. There's just no
3: way a human can keep up with all this. Even if you
1: just take it down to 10, maybe you've got doors in your home. Maybe you've got 10 or 20 windows in your home. You know, all those are entry points into your home, right? Mm -hmm. And if a, a bad actor or a criminal is profiling your home and they're driving by and they see your house and Maybe you got a nice yard. Maybe you have a nice car. They're profiling you. And if you don't have a dog or a sign or an alarm system or cameras, I use all those examples as layers. It all goes back to my layer methodology and approach. If you've got a dog, that's a layer. You got a sign. You got stickers on the windows. Those are layers. The more stuff you have, then the hack or the bad actor in this case looks at your house. They say you have five security cameras. They see you have a ring doorbell. They see you've got signs in the yard. They see you might have ADT or CPI or whatever security is the the big one near you. Then they look at your neighbor's house and they Mm -hmm. see it's dark and it doesn't have any stickers. It doesn't have any signs or no dog or animal. So which one are they going to target?
2: Exactly. And also think about it. What if Because most likely you're the person that's like the neighbor. (laughs) Most people are like the neighbor. Most people don't have that stuff set up. And it's just easy picking. But you're if you're DJ and you
1: have 59 yeah,
2: <laughs> everything's a
3: smart home. And then yeah, and then oh
1: DJ, you have an electronic robot dog was... that you don't even know if it's real.
3: Literally, they bark and they sound really mean. But my baby was holding, I had this little like a cheap, like seven dollar smoke detector, and he was hold I let him hold it because I had a bunch of stuff in my hands and I was trying to move it. And he was holding it and he's looking down and he's Alexa, Alexa. <laughs> he wants everything to talk to him now. <laughs> yeah,
1: but my point is that <laughs> you want to try to make yourself less of a mark and less of a victim. And some yeah. of these layers are very inexpensive. Some of them are free that you can implement. Some of them you know. take
3: you from victim to like actually standing your ground. Because again, for example, with the XDR. Uh-huh the fact that this thing, okay, it has machine learning, right? So whatever it starts at on your network, that's not the finished product. That's the starting point. Then as it learns, so you have 60,000 ports, it's going to learn what the status is on all of this stuff on your network and your devices. And it gets smarter and smarter. And eventually, as we know, it actually lures bad guys in with honeypots, like it Mm -hmm. intelligently and proactively plants honeypots in your network, in the background so that it can lure bad guys in and then gain threat intelligence from them. Now that is a game changer.
1: Honeypot <laughs> is like this bright, shiny object of, Ooh, there's a, a server that's vulnerable that I can attack, but it's not real. It's a honeypot. It's a trap really. That's
3: And those traps, those like those bright, shiny tokens are, are real in other people that don't have these tools, they're real, they're vulnerabilities. But when you have tools like this on your network, that is a trap. You're actually trapping bad guys. And instead of being a victim, instead of being on the defensive and running all the time, you get to stand your ground and you get to do a 180 and turn and say, no more. I'm not going to let you chase me anymore. I'm coming back and I'm luring you in now because these algorithms have the ability to learn at such a rate that now they're going to learn about you. And now you're (laughs) going to go on the defensive. It's a game changer, truly.
2: It is. Yep. And that's why, like you said, not to beat a dead horse or bring it up all the time, but there's a a reason why we bring, we bring it up.
3: It's presenting itself organically. It's unfolding as the solution to these problems. Yep. And it's not... Silver bullet yet but it's learning it's continually learning and the more people that start using these tools the more they learn and the more it all starts to connect and then the more these bad guys start to stick out like sore thumbs because the machines will pick up threat intelligence that we would overlook and miss and they'll start to notice things that these people have in common and they'll start to learn how to block them proactively that's what can happen with this Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very powerful layer very powerful that's why we're so excited about it because it's actually there's a glimmer of hope finally this is not just a sinking ship it doesn't have to be we can turn it around yeah anyway i guess we hit our hard stop but that's the good news there's a way to possibly turn this around but we have to all think real real smartly and strategically
2: (laughs) and understand it yeah understand why it's good
3: the fact that craig brought up Mm -hmm. the sixty thousand ports like why is that not common knowledge people should know the risks they're taking by being online like that People should know that by going online with your computer, you're exposing yourself on 60,000 ports. Know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the honeypot for most people is the, the game, the video game, the thing to do. People oftentimes don't think about how it all works or how it connects together. They just mm-hmm. go on Facebook or they just want to play that game or whatever. They don't see all the
3: depth of how it all well, the- works. These tools will gather data and data as you taught us, Craig, data doesn't lie data is so valuable that's why they all love data big tech and then they just love data because mm-hmm. when you compile enough data patterns start to emerge yeah. and so these algorithms they they have a, a knack for sniffing out patterns like at a way higher level than we can things that, that would be we would be blind to they can find and they'll find yeah. patterns and they'll start to learn patterns of the bad guys that we would have never figured out
1: Sign up for your proof of concept. Or if you're not ready for a proof of concept, then call us and get a free
2: consultation. Take action. It's past time to take action. Yeah,
3: it really is. And the more people that take action, the more of a fighting chance collectively we have. like everybody has to band together now and be smart.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit PetronellaTech.com. Also visit our other websites, ComplianceArmor.com and BlockchainSecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and stay secure.